Hi, this is John with the Food of Field podcast. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has been the host of the Food of Field podcast for the last two years. Anchor also has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is completely free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. We are back in the boreal forest of northern Alberta again this episode. The wall tent is set up and things are cozy and comfortable in bear camp as we film another episode for Kevin's From the Wild series. I'm still looking for a chance to get close to a black bear with my longbow. Jeff is tagged out and Kevin is more focused on veg as he wants to save his last bear tag for the fall. I managed to come decently close on a couple occasions, but as is the case with traditional bow hunting, a million things need to go perfectly for venison to happen. This episode won't be about the bow hunting, though. It is about the veg this time. I was amazed at the non-meat meal opportunities that lay all around us at this time of year. Don't worry, though, you carnivores. Jeff had a few rabid encounters, and we talked about another braised dish with wild-collected veg stock. Kevin also leans us in an extremely interesting direction with wild tinctures and some pretty amazing camp cocktails in crystal and clear ice, of course. Hey, I'm John David Schneider, and this is Food Afield, a show about wild food ingredients and how to collect them. We found this fiddlehead patch, I don't know, three years ago, four years ago now maybe, at Bear Camp. And um, and since then, you know, Kevin has researched more of wild edibles and the things that are in this patch are, are crazy. But anyways, right now what I'm doing is picking fiddleheads. Um, some of them have come up and they're eight or nine, ten inches tall, a foot tall even, so those are obviously too far gone. But at the base of a lot of these clumps of ferns are the small and tender fiddleheads. This little patch here too is just so dark and primeval. You can hear the stream in the background. and I mean, you just have to imagine, you know, the evil queen in, in the forest scene of any Disney film. And... Uh, you can kind of get a picture or a vibe for this place where these ferns grow. Well, these are ostrich ferns. Um, The key to finding these ferns too is, you know, obviously um, what I'm noticing is that they grow along the creek banks, um, small streams. Um, On my farm, my family farm, we also have them growing down along the slough. Um, I haven't been there for two or three decades now, so I don't know if they're ostrich ferns or not, but I definitely want to go back and check it out now. It's uh, it's important to, to not overpick a patch. So right now, you know, there's clumps of eight or nine fronds that are, you know, like I said, a, a foot tall, let's say. And then you'll see one or two in each batch that 
are down near the base of the plant um, and that are just emerging and those are the ones that you want to pick but again like don't you know you can't pick all of them Yeah, I think a fun part of the story of this place is that uh, Jeff Sanger and I were actually looking for uh, black bears on like the last day, which is June 15th in Alberta of the season uh, a few years back. And, you know, driving along looking for bears, we found oyster mushrooms. I didn't expect to find oyster mushrooms. And then while we're driving around looking for oyster mushrooms, we found this all these tall ferns and thought, hmm, we should come back here. And uh, that's where we are, just at a different time. Uh, a few weeks earlier when the fiddleheads are kind of at the top of their game. So uh, fiddleheads are a bit tough to nail down timing-wise. I mean, I, I would have guessed these would have been at this stage three weeks ago or two weeks ago, but uh, they're at this stage now, and we're also finding them widely variable. So like one little spot uh, will be quite tall, like a foot 18 inches tall, and some of them are just emerging from the ground. So there's a lot of variability there depending on kind of which piece of ground they're on, which is weird. But at this time of year, uh, fiddleheads are only one of many things on the forest floor, and we're walking around. I'm sitting here, I can pick, I just picked horsetail and fireweed and fiddleheads and cow parsnip, uh, all where I'm seated with gooseberry and raspberry, and it's just on and on and on, and dandelion. So there's, this is kind of a, a spot, for whatever reason, that uh, just has really good plant biodiversity, and therefore has a lot of food. I would say it's an easy-to-ignore, run-of-the-mill, shitty-looking gully that has a shitty rust-colored creek running through it. And you would drive past it at 100 kilometers an hour and not even blink, or blink and miss it. It's completely, like, I don't know, from our from our Western perspective, from our the way my eyes were brought up is to completely ignore it. It's a non-place. It doesn't exist. And then you walk into it, and it's like the earth goddess opens up her bounty and you know like spreads her arms and embraces your little food foraging weirdness and you can just get in there and it's your fucking grandma's garden as soon as you're ready to see it so innocuous garbage gully with dead leaf litter and nothing that entertaining looking there's no mma there are no girls in bikinis absolutely the most devoid place actually of girls in bikinis right here in this little shitty gully with the mosquitoes. it's just quite a few mosquitoes so a bikini would be a bad choice for anyone but um but aside, anyway it's just a not indiscreet little uninteresting place and then you get in here and it's shady and it's sweet and like kevin said there are these microclimates there's here's the south facing bank of this little creek and then the water spills over some rocks and makes a beautiful noise. And so there's a symphony of insects and birds, ch bird chitter, chatter, and the water. And then that's why the plants like it here. It's a beautiful little place with the water talking to them and the birds talking to them. And then in the creek, there's like, you go down a few hundred yards and there's an ice shelf under a fallen over birch tree that has chaga growing on the side of it. And you're an apothecary grocery store all in one. And it, and then you start being careful. You start feeling the plants through your shoes, under your feet. Because you're like, oh shit, this is the produce aisle. And there are no aisles. The whole place is just produce. And then when it's not produce, it's fucking apothecary stuff. It's like, can I get, can I get high on this at all, Kevin? Can we look this up? Is this poisonous? Or will I just get a real buzz? And so far, none of those plants. Um, those are harder to find. But 
if you really want to go to the bathroom aggressively, pretty much this is the place. Also. <laughs> that, was, that was so... Oh, you could, Kevin, or I'm so John's glad. got a pot. I'm laying next to her, lounging in a recumbent position, next to a goddamn five-gallon pail, like a ceramic pail, of fiddlehead fern heads that are perfectly plump, swollen, and sweet. Everything that the Earth Goddess wants us weird little foragers to uh, eat and cherish and revere. And he must have about five cups here that he picked in 15 minutes. And these are like the highest quality peak produce that you can get, also grown like in absolute wild nature, where everything in the soil is exactly what these plants needed to plant themselves. And if that isn't a magic goddamn food, I don't know. Like, there's just nothing else that could be more nutritionally vibrating on the right nutritional frequency to nourish your little, your little bald chimp body. I want to I want to chime in on something here. One of the things that I learned last year, a uh, heavy lesson in Ontario, during black fly and mosquito season, was that it it was not as big a freaking deal as every we're. As everyone says, we're sitting here, you're getting swarmed with mosquitoes. Is it ruining your experience to be out here? Because people keep asking, oh, mosquitoes, 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 bugs, bugs, bugs. Well, what do you value, you know? If you are afraid of bugs and sunshine, then you'd have your blue blocker surround sound goggles on sitting in a basement, in a glass room in a basement somewhere. If you want ultimate absolute pleasure, just get into a herperium or an aquarium for people with lizards. Just get yourself into a fucking aquarium and sit on your heated rock. Like, I get it, but people want to sit on heated rocks. And there's a sub, maybe not a subset, maybe a majority of people want absolute comfort all the time, except for the moment, the 15 minutes a day that they find an Instagram or Facebook exercise challenge and they do 30 squats, 30 push-ups and 30 sit-ups. And that's their 20 seconds of exercise for the week. The week. And then they go back to eating Cheetos in their, in their aquarium, in their human human aquarium temperature control so anyway yeah there's a fucking mosquito over here and it's not like costco but that's everything that i like like probably the mosquitoes keep the costco shoppers away (laughs) and thank you mosquitoes you can suck a little of my blood and give me a tiny bit of dengue or whatever whatever what are they carrying now zika you may sterilize me a bit no what are mosquitoes what do they have oh west nile i may get a little west west nile um that's the downside that's the con mosquitoes help social distance discomfort it was the the terrain was slightly uneven here also so my ankles were like oh wow i have to walk on something that's not a paved flat like asphalt perfect it it's it helps it sorts it's it's survival of the fittest in the in the fattest pamper pamperedest time that human beings have ever lived on the face of the planet uh survival of the fittest involves i walk on uneven ground and, and bend down to pick up my produce Whereas, you notice in a grocery store, they have all of the produce tables, like, at waist height. Because people just don't want it. You have to make it even easier. Imagine the early produce stores where, like, the watermelons and pumpkins and shit were on the floor on a display. And then the, the, the grocery guys are like, they're too fat and lazy for even that. You know, like, they stopped gardening a long time ago, but... Because there was mosquitoes and mud. And, uh, and so they like, let's make it even easier. And then it's like they don't want to carry those pumpkins to the front and pay for them. So let's get a buggy. Let's let's get let's get a motorized buggy. That's I think that's next innovation. Maybe that's next. Next is motorized buggies to make it even easier for a lot of people. But for us, we choose to do like a tiny little thing, like walk a hundred yards from a car on a road, 
and walk on uneven ground and then bend down and pick something. And then you have, like, what's the retail value of this, fellas? You have, say, five or six cups of fiddlehead Especially ferns. Especially that fresh and clean. Picked at their peak, clean and beautiful. What are they, 35 a kg? Seven, 17 buck a pound? Like, this but is this I don't is more think, one, I don't think, I think like many things in food, you, you actually can't buy them that fresh, and they deteriorate rather quickly. So. What about organic, wild, harvested? Still, you exactly get them right. days after. I know. So they're, they're not this quality. So if, if I was going to buy that, uh, I, I don't even know where you'd if buy this that. This is ribeye price. Yeah. I don't know, 40, 50 uh, Well, bucks. I mean, like, and we don't value, we don't, I don't know, it's just weird what people okay. value. Yeah. Well, we've... Okay, so we've talked about cow parsnip and the fiddleheads and the um, nettles, and then we'll talk about cooking them at back at camp. And marsh marigold. And marsh marigold. No, I did not say that. That's a magic. What are we doing with marsh marigold? Um, marsh marigold's new to me. So uh, the buds, I know that I've, I've turned them into capers before. Uh, Jeff and I were just eating them. You can eat them raw before they flower. Apparently, they got kind of a spicy hit. You can eat the leaves pre-flower and the stems pre-flower. So, honestly, uh, marsh marigold's kind of the new—I don't know—the new plant for us to explore. This Is that summer. the one you were saying was caper-like? Yeah, okay. the little buds are, are like a little green pea size. I can't wait to try that. Well, my first time with marsh marigold, I started playing with them and then eating the bits, uh, the oh. leaves and stems, and and finding more and more like freshly emerged leaves. And then ate the flower buds that taste like a little wasabi pea. I mean, we don't have words in the in the language right now to describe uh, flavors as much as I'd like. But it was kind of like a tiny little wasabi pea. So we'll be cooking later and I have to do something with a rabbit probably. Mm. And if you have a little kind of spicy peppery note wasabi pea uh, flavor and it's green. So it adds color and texture and veg to a plate that's often my plates are just mostly meat. I'm really happy to have a new vegetable to play with. Nice. Okay. Well, let's go. What are we picking now? Cow parsnip? Yeah, we got to do some cow parsnip. And uh, I think that's it for in here. And then we'll go back to cooking. Let's go do that. Sorry to interrupt this episode, but I would like you to do me a favor if you would. If you enjoy these podcasts, there are a few things that you can do to help. Follow the show on Instagram at John, so you can see some of the scenes that we are talking about on the show and some of the things that I'm working on that haven't made the show yet. Additionally, please tell your friends and please, please do leave a review if you like what you hear. The show quality will get better over time as I learn and acquire better gear. You can help me get there with your encouragement. Thank you and enjoy the rest of the show. We're picking a bunch of ditchweed, drive-by ditchweed. But Kevin figured out what some of these plants are named and that they're edible. And then we were like, okay, let's taste some of some of them. And that was a few years ago, I guess, with fiddlehead ferns, and we kind of dipped a toe in. And now here it is this year, and uh, we've got a lot of meat that we've harvested. So we thought, let's look at what other vegetation is edible and what sort of flavors and notes they can lend to our cooking instead of bringing crap from home. And funny enough, uh, I happened to kill some snowshoe hares and didn't bring any celery or carrots to build a braise for these these rabbits. And Kevin said, we can fix that. Let's go harvest some weird plants. Okay, so what did we do with the... uh, what What did we do with the braise for the rabbit? What did um, you 
Yeah, well, just so far, I just minced up some onion and garlic and threw it in some butter in a pan over the fire. And uh, just to caramelize the onions down and get that sweet, because I knew that we had a lot of bitter in the fiddlehead ferns and the uh, the marsh marigold. And then the nettles. Like, there's just sort of this fresh herbal uh, bitterness. And then and cow parsnip also had, has a bitterness, but a real vegetable flavor. Fireweed stalks. So I think we had six vegetables. Uh, oh, and yarrow. Um, yarrow just has sort of a, a floral herbal kind of kick. And so I put in some of the flower heads from last year and some of the fresh green leaves of yarrow uh, and fiddlehead stalks in place of celery and carrots. So describe that stalk. Uh, n- nothing like what was expected and loaded with flavor, minerality, uh, complexity, and weirdly, like, all those fancy words are nice, but I tasted it and it tasted like peanuts. So it had a peanut fish, fishy peanut mineral vegetable flavor, which is like right up there. Kevin said it was oversalted. I use sea salt, and so that helps like load it up. And we did use a, a ton of green leaves to kind of get it there. So a gallon of water and maybe maybe 16 ounces of veg or so, a wild veg and a whole onion and a couple a couple cloves of garlic um so it's something that's pretty sophisticated for a stock that we're just going to braise some snowshoe hairs in do you have to braise anything in it no we would not have to braise anything in it um we could just eat that like strain it off and then put it do you know what that reminds me of huh french onion soup yeah it's kind of in a french onion soup soup direction yeah really close or a really good hearty vegetable stock we could add the the same vegetables or sort of poach some fiddlehead fern heads in there and just eat a nice a nice soup but for me it's just not meaty enough <laughs> i don't know my body i don't know what my body would do if i just ate ate a dish that was just vegetables i don't think i'd be well <clears throat> okay so now what's the plan well that, that's what's funny well we have this stock and that's like a, a hot commodity we could use it for lots of things like you said it could be soup it could be a poaching liquid um but we have some tough little rabbits, and I just don't believe in grilling rabbits. We're going to sear them off on a hot rock over the fire just to get some caramelization on the meat, and then they're just going to hang out in the jacuzzi tub of ditch weeds until they're soft enough to flake. Then we'll probably let the whole liquid brine cool off so that the meat can absorb the water as, as it cools and the muscle fibers relax. And then I'd assume that we pull that that rabbit later tonight like later tonight or tomorrow once the broth and brine is all cooled down pull it and debone it and then we have shredded snowshoe hair to use in in virtually anything lodgepole pine gimlet might be a a sweet move uh we've been making a lot of gins that are kind of complex uh with a lot of botanicals in it and i wanted to make something that really just featured the one tree species so lodgepole pine's got a lot of lime vibe to it uh here Uh, i've tasted a lot of pine across canada it does not always taste awesome so taste the tree first to know whether or not it's going to be any good uh a tincture is just a really high proof alcohol or alcohol actually the Technically, it's just a solution, something uh, in solution in alcohol. Uh, This is a really high proof tincture of lodgepole pine needles that were bashed up uh, and then let to soak overnight. And I've got lime as an acid. I will have a lodgepole pine syrup as the sweet component, which is just sugar and water and lodgepole pine. And then uh, we'll mix it up and have ourselves a a lodgepole pine gimlet. Just explain that syrup real quick. So it's 
water syrup and lodgepole pine needles but yeah how, what do you do with it are you boiling yeah a lot of a lot of um cocktails basically need a sweet component uh or often have a sweet component and uh, a simple syrup is a, in this case one-to-one -one ratio of sugar and water uh so it's just that with something in it in this case it's the lodgepole pine needles and yeah we're just going to bring it to a boil let it simmer for a bit try and just extract some flavor so that the sweet isn't just sugar that's actually got some of that flavor in it. Uh, and once we've done that, we really achieve kind of what we're after. Okay, that is it for this episode. I am hoping that it has inspired you to have a look around your grounds and get acquainted with some of your local wild veg. Remember that there is a lot of this stuff that can make you sick or uncomfortable. Do your homework and know what to pick and how to deal with the harvest as far as cooking goes. I am going to close out this episode with a story from Mike Schroeder, who is over on Instagram as 3Fs Food Experience. Mike appeared in MasterChef Canada Season 5. He submitted his story of a family fishing trip when he was a little guy, and I will now be sending him some classic Alberta Len Thompson from the wild lures. To enter your story, just go over to anchor.fm slash John and hit the message button and then record your quick story. You'll have one minute for the story, but you can send me a couple of messages if it takes uh, more than a minute. No worries. Stay well and go eat some food afield. Call this one heads up. So growing up, my father was very much a city slicker, but we went home to Nova Scotia to visit my uh, my uncles. Uh, they said that they want to go fishing. So my father went down to the local hardware store, grabbed the best poles, lines, lures, live baits. Uh, we went fishing to the local fishing hole. As my uncles were quickly getting fish, my father and me were very slow on the uptake and weren't really getting too much. Uh, just as we were about to leave, a young local kid came along, picked up a rock, uh, threw it in the river. Next thing we know, up bobs a fish. Who would have thought? All you needed was a rock and some local knowledge. Mm -hmm.